It's the end of the year. It's been a weird-ass year. What's been your favorite things? Yeah, it's weird. I started to make a list, and it became difficult because, one, uh, not a lot of shit has come out. For obvious reasons. Yeah. For movies, I was like, I, uh, I don't think I've watched a single movie that's come out in 2020 besides, I guess, by default, Palm Springs. That was a really good movie. And that's basically the only one I've watched that came out this year. So. <laughs> um, and also, you know, like we've like we've been talking about, like, I just haven't been too plugged into a lot of things because of uh, the mental real estate I've had this year um, with personal stuff and also just the world. It's, you know, I haven't really been plugging into things. Um, so I have a list of albums because I have been able to listen to music and music has been coming out. And then a list of just other things. <laughs> <laughs> um, so should we start with music? Do you have music picks? Yeah, I have. I picked my top album of the year. All right. Give me your your top. It is Protus the Hero, Palimpsest. Yeah, no, that's the correct answer. I mean, it's just so fucking good. And uh, it's, yeah. I mean, I, I have I have three runners up, or at least honorable mentions, but then let's talk the hell out of Palimpsest. Um, so very quickly, my, my I guess, yeah, runners up. <laughs> like my, my pick fucking matters. <laughs> uh, but uh, one is... It matters to me, Greg. What's that? It matters to me. Uh, well, that's good. Um, uh, the album is called Noir Kid by Violet Cold, who is a German musician. Uh, it's like a mix of black gaze, which is now a thing, um, but also kind of like uh, electro pop, kind of. Um, but it mixes those things in a way where like it kind of bounces back and forth between them and sometimes layers them. Um, but it does it in a way that it has this kind of there's like kind of an emotional gloss to it that uh, it's kind of wistful and nostalgic in a way that um, is is really rare in, you know, anything that's black metal adjacent. Um, really, any kind of emotional vulnerability is uh kind of hard to find in metal generally but black metal especially <laughs> um deaf heaven kind of approaches it but there's a there's something about about this album um that i think is very special um i really like it um and it's a 2020 album so it's on my list <laughs> i'll check it out then it sounds like it, like the 2020 cover tack, right? Like mix two things in an interesting way. Yeah, might be novel. it's definitely in a def different direction than Keller tack though. Well, sure, sure. tack's like singing in Norwegian about like drinking beer and listening to Gorgoroth with your friends. <laughs> one of who is a motorcycle that can talk. Um, <laughs> Violet cold is much more like, um, you know, um, you just got done playing Dungeons and Dragons with your friends who are all clinically depressed and one of whom is probably going to kill themselves next weekend. Um, and then thinking about a girl who smiled at you at a dance. Ooh. Okay. So like, Bummer. yeah, like definitely on different ends of the spectrum. Like Violet Cold definitely got pushed into lockers by Kvelertak, I guess is what I'm saying. <laughs> um, I'm going to check that out, though, because that sounds very cool. Yeah, no, it's really good. Um, 
uh it, it definitely has its own vibe to it um it's unique um the next one on my list uh it apparently i can't get through a year without adding a bell witch record to my um list because even though they write like two notes per song and take 30 minutes to play it they still manage to put something out every year um but this is different they did a uh collaboration album with um uh, a, a kind of a one-man project called aerial ruin um and the title is stygian bow volume one um so aerial ruin uh is you know an act in and of itself it's kind of a dark folk kind of thing although he collaborates with a lot of metal musicians notably Bellwitch in the past and also panopticon another one of my another one of my 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 faves uh but he's done a couple tracks with Bellwitch before but at that point it was really just like he was just kind of doing clean vocals over Bellwitch tracks which also happen to be some of my favorite Bellwitch songs um but this is really a like full-scale collaboration where they are clearly writing songs as a three-piece entity. Um, so obviously there's a lot more clean vocals and guitar because there's no guitar in Bellwitch. It's just bass and drums and uh, sadness. <laughs> um, but it, it's like if you take those two things, and but there is a kind of a third element that coalesces from these two. Um that really makes it its own unique thing. Um, it's still very, very melancholy, um, but there's a more accessible beauty to it than y- you find in Bellwitch. Like Bellwitch is all about just like kind of terror and loneliness, but um, uh, but this has something else to it. Um, it, it. It is dark and depressive and, and sad, um, but. Uh, it doesn't sound like anything else. It doesn't sound like, a, uh, you know, you can't easily put it into the doom box. You can't put it easily into the folk box. Um, it really is its own thing. And it's, it's, it's really impressive. Uh, so that's number two and then number three. Um, and this will transition very nicely into pro into the protest conversation, because I feel like these are two albums that um, really just as we kind of reached the end of the Trump era in world politics. Like these are two albums that I feel like, um, understood it and expressed it, uh, although in two different, very different ways. So this one is, uh, in darkenment by Anal Nafrach. That was going to be my runner up too. Oh man. Um, <laughs> those guys know how to rips. jam. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, I mean, holy shit. It's like 40 minutes long and it just it's just thrill a minute. Excellent. Just like chaotic, you know, heavy metal. But um, the analysis of the political and cultural moment is really, really fucking good. Um, the the kind of the the I mean, the the name is in darkenment, which is clearly like I mean, a little bit like back of the high school notebook level of analysis there of like inversion of enlightenment. Um, uh, but they make up for it. <laughs> um, you know, they're they've got Latin lines in the first fucking song. So um, 
uh, and also Monty Python references later. It's it's a lot. Um, you notice a lot more than I do in all the chaos. Oh, I was I I, I spent some time on on Genius.com today. <laughs> um, because uh, but yeah, like the, the 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 general theme is about this retreat from from the enlightenment values of you know like reason and truth and this descent that we've been on into this uh libidinal um which is the name of one of the tracks um as in you know deriving from the libido of this kind of sadomasochistic thrill um that our politics has become you know it's it, it, it's just about you know kind of domination of the opposition and also a fair amount of masochism to modern politics in just the way that like we kind of want our government to ignore us and to treat us like shit and to, you know, like we're congratulating them for giving us $600 after <laughs> nine months of nothing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and this record just encapsulates that feeling and gives it a name um, and does it so well. Um, but also it's like nine tracks of just like fucking awesome music. Like when that chorus from the opening track hits you the first time, it's just like fucking chills. I love it. Yeah. I mean, I feel like they're one of the best acts in metal right now, as far as just like, they've always been there in the background. It's kind of like a novelty, I think. Yeah. Of just like, this is crazy noise, craziness, right? But then like something clicked probably like maybe three albums ago. And it's just like, no, this is fucking awesome. Yeah. The the whole of the law was, I I feel like they, they figured things out sonically on the whole of the law. Um, But I feel like the songwriting was a little more uneven. Mm -hmm. And then uh, a new kind of horror, which was the album that came after that, um, was really good and like had a, a really good theme. It was, you know, it was all about world war one and just the madness of that. And that song forward is the holy shit. When they mm. sync up the, the fucking blast beat to the, um, <laughs> to the machine gun fire. And then you can hear the gun reloading and the shell casing popping during the rest. Oh my God. Fucking good. Um, but then this endarkenment really pulls all those things together where they're really um they have something more to say on this you know like new kind of horror it's like yeah world war 1 was fucked up we all know it like that's not really a new idea mm-hmm. but endarkenment like it really feels like it's like oh they have an analysis of the current situation and they're expressing it and everything is lining up. It's 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 perfect, but Palimpsest is more perfect. It's true. Uh, should we talk about Palimpsest for like the next four hours? <laughs> we go you track know, by track, minute by minute. This is an album that I I you know listened to when it first came out, and I was like, this is really good. I like this album. This is a lot better than Protest's last album, which was Pacific Myth, which was like their weird attempt to like do like a subscription thing, which didn't really work out. Yeah. Um, and there's not like they're not like bad songs, but just like, yeah, going through the motions kind of thing where this really kind of changed them sonically uh, and to a different. A lot of the same things were there, but just like feel like they're arranged differently. This is I mean, this is the best thing they've ever done. I think you're right. 
Yeah. As much as I love Fortress, I know as much as you like Kazaya, this is just, and then I kind of, it kind of got earworms for me. Like, I just like, I just kept hearing the choruses and hearing the licks and I was just like, so then I just started listening to it like a fuck ton. And now it's just like, I'm listening to it at least once a day, if not more. And the idea behind the album of sort of just like, and it, you know, the sort of outside looking in of like a bunch of Canadians just being like, America, what are you doing? And not in just like, a, we're going to say how much we hate Trump and how much we hate America, blah, blah, blah. But just like, they talk a lot about, you know, at least in what I've, the reading I've done today about it and before about it is, you know, about greatness and that like there is something even to them as Canadians, like great in America and ha- you know, at points, different points. And there's also like a lot of shittiness and that the make America great again slogan, which they said they wrote this, you know, during like the 2016 election and afterwards, you know, it's celebrating the wrong things. And yes. this album points out both some of the good things and the bad things and the way it blends together and that triumphant chorus at the end where like, you know, they say make America great again. Um, yeah. Unironically from a super lefty band. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, yeah. And it, and and, it works. And mu- musically it's just, it's just phenomenal. I mean, his, his vocals are all over the place in such a great way. And it's not quite as like, as much as I love the like super noodly, you know, um, Scurlius well, and, and, and Volition and that kind of stuff. Like it's there, but it's not quite the point where I think for out was kind of the point. And it's 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 the all the guitar theatrics are more in service of the songs. Mm-hmm. Um, and not in a way I know that's a, when we talk about prog bands, that's a, that's a statement that gets made a lot of times when the guitars get lazy. <laughs> and I would say there's nothing musically lazy about this album. No. I will say that um, the guitar solos on Harbinger from Pacific Myth are, you know, like they checked the box there for great guitar solos. Probably second place for me after Selkie's uh, <laughs> by BT Bam, which is saying something for me. Um, but it's still there. But they've they've. The way they've brought in, and I'm not sure how much of it is real orchestration versus synth. I don't give a shit. Um, But the way that they've brought that in, um, there's a depth to the compositions now that wasn't always there before. So it's like they've they've added content in another dimension rather than just like putting in more like guitar hero moments Mm -hmm. there's a lot more going on kind of under the surface which is really good um especially the interlude tracks the arrangements on those are fucking heartbreaking um uh especially the one harborside the one that comes before um i can't remember you know the the you know but like even just the um The, the the kind of soundscape of that like it just sounds like you can almost visualize like kind of an empty dusty theater where this piano is playing it's um uh oh man um and i think that the 
the guitars sliding back a little bit to make more room for the vocal is really important here and really bold because I don't know what changed in Rhodey's brain, but dude fucking transcended somewhere before this album because I, I think he had something. Ha- I think he like broke his vocal cords a little he bit. Did. Yeah. So that's probably part um, of it, which is which and, 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 but then to know that, that he had a, you know, something like that happen. And as someone who has dealt <laughs> with a vocal cord injury uh, and is not a professional vocalist, <laughs> not a professional fucking anything. Um, but, uh, uh, to then come back and give what I would say is without a doubt his most uh, his his best performance yet um, technically and you know expressively um, but the lyrics are there's something really a switch really flipped because when uh, so uh, Arif who was the bass player on the first two records he left the band after Fortress and he was uh the principal lyricist for the band so when scurrilous which was album three came out roadie took over the lyrical duties and they were not good no (laughs) and they were not good on they were a little better on volition and they were okay on pacific myth but it was always this thing of like, I don't really, I mean, like, it just felt like he didn't really have much to say, you know, through mm-hmm. the lyrics. Well, and they were just very like, I'm I'm not a lyrics person, as you know. Rhapsody of Fire is like unabashedly one of my favorite bands. So lyrics don't really fucking matter I know. to me. However, even some of the song, you know, certain songs, are just like if they're just so like on the nose, it'd be like lyrics I would write because I don't know how yes. to write like very kind of first draft feeling. Right? Yeah. And like and just like very just like I'm singing about this thing because I don't know how to do anything else. Uh, that'd be how I would write it. Yeah. Um, just, like, it, describing a thing that's happening. And weirdly, I feel like this album is doing that, too, but it works. I don't know. Well, I feel like. You know, there's a clear intent here which I don't think they've had on previous albums um, in that like it is, Hey, we're going to have our commentary on the state of affairs in America by kind of taking a, you know, it's like people's history of the United States. Like, okay, we're going to reexamine certain iconic, you know, moments or people from a certain slice of American history, kind of dust bowl up through early Hollywood um, you know, and we're going to talk about, you know, there's the bigger theme of kind of rewriting history, um, recontextualizing things. A palimpsest is, you know, an old word for a, a page that used to have one thing written on it and then that was all erased and then something new was written over it. It's a l- all a little on the nose, but, um, the fact that they can take that, f- that he can take that framing And then, you know, write each song and each song kind of has its own thing to say. And it all contributes to the larger theme. 
and all the lyrics feel very well developed. None of it feels like that kind of like first draft, first, you know, forced rhyme um, kind of thing. It the, the lyrics are excellent. And there's a there's a subtle thing that goes on with with that you can kind of tell that divides a, a good lyricist from a not so good lyricist is, you know, how do the important words or phrases in the lyric line up with impactful moments in the music. Right. Mm -hmm. And I want to draw attention to kind of the climax of the song from the sky. Um, so we get to the end there and, you know, it, 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 it kind of lyrically, it starts to beat you over the head with the, the theme of the song and the, the, the general thrust of the lyrics is about the Hindenburg disaster. We all remember the picture of the Hindenburg crashing as this great tragedy, but we all forget that that thing had fucking swastikas on it, on the mm -hmm. tail. Like it would this, you know, this was at a point in American history where we were like kind of okay with the Nazis, <laughs> um, you know, to a greater degree than we are today. Um, but and that's kind of the, the and so that's the the historical anecdote they're using to tell a story about how um, images, especially photographs, create, you know, a, a cultural consensus. And, you know, as we get to the end of the song, you know, it's this. Um, the, the line is, I think, words are wind, but images impact our collective memory. And um, he, the lyrics line up with the music in such a way that when he hits the word hour and when he hits the, uh, the second syllable in memory, it's this incredible high note that he hits, which um, gives me chills every time. Um, and I think it's the, I think it's the highest note I've ever heard him hit, which is a technical achievement. Um, but the fact that it hits that and there's, you know, and the instruments are emphasizing that note at the same time is that he's lining up the musical impact with the words that are most important in that line, our memory, right? So he's using his vocal performance and the lyrical structure and the, uh, the, the, the musical structure to underscore the theme. And that's, that's when you get to that next level of being a lyricist is when you're putting all these things together so that you're using the music to emphasize the, the, the point of the song rather than just getting the words out <laughs> in the right number of syllables, you know? Um, and that shows such a huge development on his part as a lyricist. Um, it, it, he's light years ahead of where he was just on the last fucking EP. Um, it, it's incredible. And, and, um, and, and his performance as a vocalist, like one of the, my biggest problems with Prague generally is there's a kind of a lack of like passion and like connection with the material mm -hmm. especially with the vocalists like a lot of times it's just kind of like oh we're a prog band so like i i don't know this song's about like i don't know odysseus maybe sure fine <laughs> do it you know 
Um, and it, it's performative and, and usually technically good, but like, I don't know, it just, you know, it kind of feels stagey. Um, but, you know, Rhodey's always been, because he kind of comes from more of a punk or emo kind of starting place, is he's got a lot more vulnerability in his vocals. Um, and the the way he brings that kind of emotional expression to these songs is is excellent. Like there's that vulnerability in From the Sky because he also kind of links that climax of the song to um you know a personal experience. Um but then you know you listen to some of the other songs like there's the two songs that are about the uh uh Dillinger and Babyface, the the gangsters and like He's got this anger that comes through and this kind of pugnaciousness that he's trying to associate with these characters in the song. Um, and it works very well. You know, he's bringing an emotional dimension to these things that a lot of prog singers just can't really get to. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, they're singing a song about, you know, some literary character, but you don't really feel like they're really embodying it. Uh, whereas he's doing that. And then there's the song uh, about Amelia Earhart and it's, you know, about, you know, insecurity and, you know, trying to appear strong. And he's communicating that just through the vocal performance um, in, in a way that he's gestured at before, but he's man, what happened? That dude, like, is he in like the, the time dilation chamber from Dragon Ball for a while? What happened? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think, like you said, that the way it all fits together is what makes this record so good. And, you know, I didn't pick up on some of the stories that, you know, and the lyrics and stuff. But I know, like, for me, like, the ones that are a little more straightforward in a way works for me because we are talking about something that matters, right? We're not talking about something that's, like, I think about, like, it's a very heartfelt song, but I, I think it's on Skrillist where it's, like, basically talking about cancer. yeah. And it's like, it's just, it feels like baby's first lyrics. And I don't yeah. mean rude in that way, but because it is emotional song. And like you said, his performance is good in it. But whereas like in the song, little snakes on this record, which is basically about the genocide of American Indians, you know, and then us putting up a big monument to the genociders on their sacred mountain. Yeah. You know, and like just the last, the last, the last little chorus bit, like about face, enjoy the ride. There's a different version of history carved in the mountainside. Your mind's made up, your hands are tied, but colonialism by, by all definitions is a father to a genocide. And it's like, yep. Yep. <laughs> and, and like I said, but the way it fits with the, and the layering of the orchestration and the kind of step back of the guitars and his performance in the vocals just all fits together to make you really feel it. And that's something that, especially for me as someone who doesn't quite so much care about record, what the record's about, the fact that it breaks through and makes me feel those things is very powerful in a similar way that like zeal and ardor kind of strokes the same thing. And maybe it's also just the current climate, but um, I think it says something that they're touching on the current climate and fitting into that and making an important piece of art during that climate. Yeah. I, I just, I mean, I've always loved this band, but this is, <laughs> this is a fucking achievement. Um, and I mean, and it just works as just a fucking like fucking ripper of, of an album too. Like, it's just like the songs are just really fucking good. Um, it, it's, it's paced really well. It's sequenced really well. Um, yeah, it feels like it has like a start, middle and end and it just all fits together really well. And like, it's, it's a 
concept album without being a you know a concept album and it's yeah it's just yeah you can you can pull almost any track off of that and it's just like oh that's just a good song just mm-hmm. by itself um the two the the again the two gangster songs kind of run into each other sonically so but like um whew, my god yeah like it's uh, uh it's good god <laughs> And I think it's, and we both talked to each other about that this record is good, but we haven't expressed our complete and undying love for it to each other. So I think the fact that we both arrived to the conclusion somewhat separately is also telling, considering while our tastes overlap a good deal in one part, they are also very different in many other ways. So, uh, yeah. yeah, this is just, I mean, uh, you know, it, it, it's one of those, um, like yeah, I mean, we all thought Fortress was good. I always thought because I was better. Um, but uh, like you go back and you listen to Fortress now, and you're like, oh, oh, I, I, I can, I can see what this could have been. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I really still like it. But this oh, is, it's it's great. Yeah. The, other, the other reason that I like it is I like that this. I mean, the reason this record is so is so great for me as well is that this is a band that, to your point, like I've always really liked, really loved. But I was really worried that like post, you know, volition, I was kind of like, is this band just going to kind of just like fade away into like mediocrity, you know, not really know where to go next. So to have a band that you really like kind of come back and give you something new and fresh and awesome. Yeah, it, it's it's always a good feeling for that because you're like, yeah, these guys. <laughs> yeah. So. Oof. All right, so that was album of the year. <laughs> I'm not gonna have near as much to say about anything else I have on this. List. All right, yeah, my, my my stuff is 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 uh, here. Why don't you Why don't you throw out the next one? All right, so for me, um, you know, I I looked at I read a lot this year. I was talking about what my favorite book I read, and it was a little bit troublesome, you know. And it's always hard with books because it's hard to say like the best book that came out this year. It's like a lot of people don't read. Like, I mean, some people do, but you and I don't read. Like, I'm million books a year that come out that same year um we're backfilling a lot of things so i did read two books that came out this year i guess um which was trouble with peace um which was probably my favorite new book of the year um although i think my favorite book i read of the year was um probably the fifth expanse book like i mentioned earlier Although I will give an honorable mention to the um, the last trilogy in the Robin Hobbs series, which I've wrapped up beginning of this year, um, which I talked about quite a bit, so I won't delve back into much. But the emotions, the feelings and emotions I felt with her character writing was a standout for me in the year. Um, between um the main character Fitz and his daughter was really powerful stuff. I thought, and really interesting stuff given the context. So that was stood out to me. But as a whole, as a book, I'm not sure I place it at the top. But um, from a just like a piece, a component of the writing, I really would like to shout that out. But I think that between Trouble with Peace and Nemesis Games, was the fifth book in the Expanse series, those are the ones I was just like could not stop reading and just like was really engaged with the entire time. 
So I've talked about, uh, I mean, we, we, we've talked about, I read Nosferatu, um, which I enjoyed. Um, uh, and then the Abercrombie books. Um, but I think the only book I read this year that hadn't, you know, kind of an impact on me, you know, in any kind of real way. And I didn't do much reading this year. Uh, but it's a political theory book. <laughs> Sorry. Of course. Uh, it's The Reactionary Mind by Corey Robin. Um, it's been out for a while. It's not a new book at all. Um, uh, but basically, it's a it's a political theory book about um, essentially arguing that American conservatism is, and, and conservatism in the West generally, is uh, not at all concerned with the things that purports to be concerned with like small government and personal accountability and those things it's more concerned with um the reproduction and defense of uh traditional power hierarchies um and i found the argument to be very persuasive and i also just i it um it changed the way i think about a lot of things and it's made a lot of uh, the current political landscape makes sense, and a lot of the things where I just had trouble wrapping my head around various, you know, conservative positions or ideas, um, all of a sudden make a lot more sense to me. And it's one of those things where uh, you turn your head a little bit differently to look at something, and all of a sudden, it you know, things are clearer. And this was one of those kind of head turning moments for me. Interesting. I was just reading a little bit about that. that sounds really fascinating. Yeah, I don't know that, um, I don't know, it's one of those books where, you know, like a lot of like nonfiction where it's like, you probably only need to read the first couple chapters and then you get it. Mm -hmm. And then the rest of it is just, you know, um, reinforcing the argument, right. You know, further, further evidence or, or, you know, other examples and, you know, you might not need to do it all, but yeah. Um, so that's, that was the most impactful book for me. Interesting. Yeah, I this was I was the opposite. I read a shit ton this year. Like I was looking at my Goodreads and it I mean it includes some novellas, but it's like I'm gonna have read like twenty-five books by the end of the year. Which Good is God. pretty crazy. Although I was talking with a friend the other day and she looks to read and she's like I'm like she's like, Oh yeah, I'm gonna make meet my reading goal this year. I'm like, Yeah, me too. I read twenty books. She's like, Yeah, I'm gonna read 150 books. I'm like, Oh, excuse me? What? Um, it's wild, but Reactionary Mind, 2011. Uh, the first edition, there's a, there's a more recent one that's updated, mm -hmm. um, post Trump. Oh, interesting. Cool. Um, awesome. So uh, for TV, TV, I mean, yours is already attack on Titan. I know, but, um, <laughs> well, yeah, but I do have more to say about attack on Titan. So yeah, you say, your thing. <laughs> uh, which by the way, I'm, I'm still working on them in season three and just like, I'm I'm trying to hold out hope, but I'm getting a little bit like, okay, so everyone's got power. Okay. Like, mm, what are we doing here? Just wait. Um, just like, we're like, there's a lot of like jump on the shark moments, but I'm, I'm trying to hang on. So just um, wait. I think the best show I watched this year was, I know this much is true, which was an HBO miniseries, um, starring, uh, Mark Ruffalo playing himself and his twin brother. Oh Yeah. Um, it's a fucking bummer and it's just, it's like a bummer on top of a bummer that ends in a, it's just like the whole thing's just like one bummer after another, but it's just like, it's very, it's set in the nineties and it's like 
feels very 90s in like a way that's not just like oh remember the 90s like the 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 feeling of like my what i know about the 90s now and my childhood it's just like yeah this feels like what it must have been like to be like 1994 and be like an adult in 1994 an adult whose life fucking sucks in 1994 (laughs) um and like how people would have handled you know mental health and like tragedy and like all these different things that the main character unfortunately goes through but it's based on a book but it's really powerful um you know it's only it's only miniseries only like four or five episodes so i think it's worth people's time if you want to be real fucking bummed out um outside of that as far as you know more genre related stuff um once again not a ton of stuff came out this year um the boy season two was good which we talked about and i thought that rick and morty season four had a lot of like really good episodes in it particularly the um the episode with the remote control the acid vat episode yeah that episode's fucking awesome (laughs) so after uh, like a season three that I enjoyed, but I thought was like, oh, maybe Rick and Morty once again is getting kind of interesting. Like, it's just funny. But I thought season four was like a step up from season three. So that's good. On that topic, did you watch Solar Opposites? I haven't yet. It's always kind of been there as like, I always kind of just, is this just Rick and Morty light or what is it? But no, I mean, it, it definitely, I mean, like it has the same feeling in the way that like American dad kind of feels like family guy, you know, mm-hmm. um, but it's good. I mean, it, it, it's funny. It's not as like deep as Rick and Morty. Um, it's more like just straightforward comedy in the, with the same style, of course, because it's you know made by a lot of the same people. But um, no, it's 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 good. It's worth a watch. Okay, it's not, it's not great, but um, uh, if you want a Rick and Morty that's not as far up its own ass, <laughs> Solar Opposites is good. 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 What about you for shows? Shows? Oh shit, man! I haven't watched television. I mean, I, yeah. what we do in the shadows is still very good. I, yeah. I you know, I, I will. You know, if you haven't watched the new season, that's on that, my I list. That's on my it. list. I haven't watched the first season. I watched the first episode. Good God, man! I know it's on my list. Um, it's hard because I I don't spend a lot of time watching TV by myself anymore. Although now mm. that I'm on the treadmill again, I'll probably pick some things up. But I, so I mean, Shay likes funny stuff, right? Yeah, but she wouldn't find that funny. I don't know, man. Karen likes it. But because she just doesn't have she just like she'd be like vampires. Really? No, thank you. And like Look, any of the jokes about vampires, she would not find. OK, funny most of the, the, there are some jokes that are that are that are very funny if you watch a lot of vampire movies like me. But Karen, I think, has never seen a vampire movie <laughs> and she enjoys it. So, OK, well, maybe I'll give it a go then. We just started um, and this was this could end up being my favorite. I don't know. But this was on a lot of people's top and I had a lot of recommendations for it was I may it's called I May Destroy You. It's on HBO. Um, British creator about yeah. a woman experiences an assault, um, like a drug, a drug assault and is basically just trying to like figure it out and also deal with it. And we just started to watch two episodes and Oof. it's intense, but that they also heavy. they also find a way to sort of make it. Not make that light. That's not light at all. But like keep her character. I don't know. It, it, it's only two episodes in, but people seem to really, really love it. Um, and it's getting a lot of like rave, you know, critical reviews. So I've decided to give it a go. And it's so far. I mean, I have to have the subtitles on, but super, super British. But um, <laughs> uh, it's it's filmed in an interesting way. And um, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm really curious to see where it goes, but. It sounds 
It sounds heavy. <laughs> um, but speaking of not heavy, and I guess it counts as a show. Are you familiar with a, a YouTube program called Two Minutes to Late Night? No. Okay. Two Minutes to Late Night started last year. Um, it is a, the title is a reference to the Iron Maiden song, Two Minutes to Midnight. Um, it is a heavy metal comedy talk show. Okay. Um, and the first quote unquote season of it was just that it's, it's hosted by Guarcinio Hall, which is a guy in corpse paint who does like, um, a talk show with some like made up characters who are kind of like spoofs on various heavy metal or hardcore stereotypes. Um, and, uh, his house band is mutoid man, which is a, you know, like a, a like a kind of a math rock metal band. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it was, it was very, very funny. Um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a talk show that makes fun of heavy metal made by people who very much love heavy metal. Um, uh, you know, and they would have bands on and it was mainly like a scripted, like comedy talk show, right? Like it's not like a real talk show, you know, it's partly improv, but you know, it, it it's, it's a joke. Um, but as they were getting up, get, ramping up to make season two of the show, uh, which was filmed at like, uh, I think St. Vitus bar in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. which is a you know, big metal bar. And like mm-hmm. on off nights, they would go in and shoot episodes of this thing. Uh, obviously can't do that during coronavirus. So what they started doing were what they were calling bedroom covers, which now I think like three other like major channels have ripped off. But basically it's, they get together various like heavy metal artists to kind of collaborate on a cover song. Um, you know, so it'll be like, you know, Brent from Mastodon is playing a guitar and it's the drummer from oh, Sumac. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I've seen a bunch of those. Yeah. But I think Two Minutes to Late Night was like the ones who started it. Um, and uh, they've been doing one a week every Monday uh, all year. And they're fucking great. Like, because a lot of times, like, there's a lot of like on screen gags is like they're, you know, flipping back and forth, you know, and everybody's wearing funny costumes and, you know, like hanging out in their living rooms and all that. Um, uh, so it's entertaining. And um, but some of the covers are really fucking good. Um, you know, sometimes they'll just like take some like kind of trash song, but like really make it good. Or other times it'll just be like, hey, we're just going to do a really f- a really faithful cover of this awesome faith no more track um or one of the more uh i think it was just last week um they did this amazing medley of covers from brian eno's first solo album here come the worm jets which is not a heavy metal album but um they're really good really entertaining um and uh the most recent one they did that just came out today was uh it's just guar like it's not <laughs> it's not like oh every it's like, I, I think it's guar plus the drummer from utoid man uh but doing a like parody of elton john's step into christmas called stab into christmas <laughs> that is uh perfect i'm looking through some of the lists here and some of these are very interesting purchase the hero and death clock cover oingo boingo's dead man's something yep. i think that was the halloween one yeah 
Oh my goodness. All um, right. but yeah, it's, 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 and I think they did a all black version of killing in the name, like during the George Floyd protests, oh, like there's some good calls and they're just really good and really entertaining. And like, I don't know, there's something kind of fun about like, it, it just kind of feels like every week you're getting together with your heavy metal friends to have some like goofy heavy metal fun. That's great. It's well, dumb, but it's good and fun and uplifting. And yeah, go back. There's some there's some fucking good ones in there. And sometimes it'll like be a non-metal song. Like I think they do a Fleetwood Mac tune and like a Bonnie Raitt tune every once in a while. And it's you know it's always this kind of a different cast of artists too. So like you never know who's going to be on the next one. You know. Mm. Um, sometimes it's just like some random bass player from you know some you know like screamo band. Um, but then it'll be less Claypool or. Um, Max Weinberg did a Misfits song with them. That's weird, but hey, cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, you probably ruined my productivity productivity at work tomorrow, so thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, cool. Yeah, I've been watching. I was like kind of on like a weird YouTube binge for like a big chunk, and I had to like remove the bookmark so I was like spending away. I feel like I can just like lose a lot of time there. Yeah, all, all I watch is YouTube anymore. I've got more <laughs> YouTube on my list. Gotcha. Um. What else you got to say about that? Greg? Sure. Uh, so um, I think I said this to you, um, but so there's a YouTube channel I watched called Some More News. Mm-hmm. Um, it's made by some uh, alumnuses from the old crack.com video team. Um, Cody Johnston and Katie Stoll mainly. Um, and usually it's just kind of a weekly um, news commentary show that i really like because they're lefties and also very very funny um uh but as you can expect over the course of this year um things have gotten kind of (laughs) dark because Mm -hmm. the news has gotten dark but also it's like cody's just like making the like show in his bedroom you know it's not like he's got like you know everybody else there to like interact with and you know like kind of um you know, like make a thing with your friends. <laughs> um, so, but right here at the end of the year, they made a thing called some more news, the movie, and it's two hours long. Normally, it, you know, they do like a 20 minute show once a week, um, but it's like two hours long and it starts out kind of like a, um, you know, like a lot of like YouTube pop culture video essay kind of things. And the general thesis is it's correct, but it's also kind of, you know, it's that. uh, So actually, a lot of the villains in like 80s movies and 90s movies were like actually literally based on Donald Trump. Like, (laughs) you know, back when he was like, you know, kind of like a tabloid celebrity and, you know, media heel back during those days. And like, you know, like pointing out like Biff Tannen in Back to the Future 2, like literally like Howard Ramos, Harold Ramos will tell you like, yeah, that that obviously, you know, yeah. Biff Tannen is Donald Trump in the 80s. Um, but then it's like, but then it's kind of like, yeah, but isn't it kind of weird that even though like he was the bad guy in the 80s and 90s, we were still like, yeah, he should be president. So it kind of starts out with that premise. Um, but then it kind of goes to some places like it's got a time travel subplot (laughs) within the context and of this thing. And, um, 
so it builds on that. So there's a lot of layers going on here. Um, um, but by the end of it, it ends up making a pretty profound case for like being hopeful about the future. Um, and actually then sets up a tonal shift in the general show itself. Um, and there's a lot of in jokes in there. Like if you've been a fan of the series, like there's going to be jokes in there that are kind of just for you. Like, especially when he's like Cody's talking to his past self and you're like, Oh, I remember when he used to wear that shirt back in the old days. You know, that's fine. But, um, overall it's really incredible. Um, and, uh, like it's one of those things where, you know, like kind of like we were saying about like the protest album, like, I didn't know you guys had this in you. Like, mm-hmm. whoa, you guys, you've been working on this the whole time. Like, it's very good because the last kind of like big high production value thing they did was um, I think it was around the end of last year was they just did like, hey, what if we ran over the plot of like all nine Star Wars movies? But as if we were as if we were our show existing in the Star Wars universe. Oh, wow. That's probably funny. It is. It's very funny, um, but it's also very meta and also very kind of nothing. Like it's like, oh, that, that's a cute joke. Mm-hmm. Like you know, it's you know, um, uh, but then this, it's like, holy shit! You guys had several points to make, and they're all layered in here very, very well. Um, and it's a really good way to spend two hours. But also, I mean, if for you or for anyone else, just watching the Some More News channel is also a good way to spend twenty, thirty minutes a week. Um, to get mad at the news in a way that's funny. <laughs> uh, Sounds yeah. wild. Got anything else on your list? Uh, no. Um, okay. I basically, movies, like I said, I did watch, I mean, like, I really like Palm Springs, but that's basically the only new movie I've watched this year, I think, because everything else was just heavily delayed. I can't imagine that Wonder Woman 1984 is going to make a huge impact on me. So, um, yeah, and with Doom being delayed, that was basically the only thing I was looking forward to. So, uh, yeah. Now you can watch it on your 1080p TV. Well, I'm hoping that movie theaters are open by then because I'd like to go see it in theaters, but we'll get to that whole yeah. conundrum later. Um, also, and then for games, I I mean, I haven't played any new games. I'm about to play the... I just booted up for the first time um, the 2016 Doom because I'm a PC gamer and I buy things really cheap and play them four years later. That's a good fucking game. Yeah. Um, and hopefully I'll probably, if I like it, which I assume I will, I'll probably grab uh, Doom Eternal. But um, hey, I Doom Eternal's good too. But I mean, the first, man, that moment when you get out of the training area, you'll know it. But this fucking yeah. something. And I've heard the soundtrack is great if you're a metal guy. So Oh, yeah. Well, um, check some boxes, I think. The moment I'm talking about it involves the soundtrack and you'll know when it happens. <laughs> um, I, I do have a, a big, a big point in my life, Greg. I just pulled the trigger on a new computer last night. Wowie's howie. Yeah. Um, it's a bad time to buy a new computer, but I'm tired of waiting. Yeah. Reddit tells me that everybody wants a certain graphics uh, card, graphics card that no one can get and processor lines uh, um, okay. that just came out, but the graphics card is the hard one. And without the graphics card, you're kind of like, you know, What's the point? So I was planning to buy a new computer in like March, but you know, pandemic and me being like, I'm not really sure what my job's looking like. I better just chill for a little while. But now I'm like, I'm okay. I'm good. And now I have some extra money saved up and I want to buy this. And to try and assemble it yourself is basically impossible. 
Um, so I'm actually buying it through a company where you kind of like customize your parts and they build it for you and send it to you, which is actually the company I used to buy my very first gaming computer back in like 2006. Um, but also it's kind of like, well, there's a three year warranty on it and I don't have to do anything. I can just, it literally just arrives in my house and I plug it in and like, that's kind of cool. So it's probably like a little more expensive than if I did it myself. Well, sure. But it's also physically impossible to buy those parts and probably will be for like a year. Yeah. And, you know, if you can, if you can, if you can pay for, you know, if, if, if by you having this other company put it together, you pay a little bit extra and then that helps keep somebody else fed and clothed. Like that's good, you yeah, know? Totally. And once again, like, you know, the, the worst fate you can have when you're building your computer is like, oh, you get a part that's like dead on arrival or, you know, is, yeah. is bad and you send it back and it's a whole thing. It's so like they're going to they're going to stress test it. They're going to install wind. They're just, you know, it's going to show up right. and plug it in. I also bought, a you know, to go with that so that I will have a better monitor with a higher refresh rate and a better resolution. But it is a 32 inch curved 1440p 165 hertz monitor. And I'm fucking psyched because my monitor is from like once again like 2009 so mm. you gonna you gonna play that cyberpunk uh i'm probably gonna well the computer probably is gonna come for like a couple weeks more than likely mm. um maybe even longer um based on what i'm reading i'm probably just gonna chill yeah and then wait until like no nah, maybe i can pick it up for like 30 or 40 bucks maybe like the first dlc's in it or something is kind of my plan uh but what are your thoughts on that greg because i assume you've been playing some cyberpunk well, uh, the the narrative around cyberpunk is one of the things on my best of list. OK, um, I'll explain why in a minute. Um, I would say so. I played it on PS4. Uh, I got through the first act um, before I kind of, you know, took a break from it. Uh, and then all of a sudden. Everything caught fire about it and they were like and Sony was like. Hey, if you want a refund, you can have a refund. Also, we're pulling this off the store so no one can buy it. Yeah. Um, around that point, I was like, yeah, you know what? Uh, yeah, send one of those refunds my way. Uh, and maybe I'll I'll check on this again in a while. Uh, I guess my review is Cyberpunk. All the glitchiness aside, assuming you're playing it on a not a last gen console or a or a like, you know, last gen PC, whatever that means, um, you know, it's going to be glitchy because it's a big fucking open world RPG and those things are always glitchy in the first couple months. So, you know, that's and how like it goes. forever, like Witcher three is still glitchy if you play it. Yeah, just like I mean, it's not nearly as glitchy as it was, but like that's that's par for the course. But um, I would say there's issues with the game that can't be patched out. Um, like the the writing feels kind of sloppy and like the first couple hours feel really thrown together story-wise um and one of my fears uh going into this you know even back when the game was kind of first like starting to surface and be announced was like i don't know if i care about a cyberpunk world (laughs) and like i kind of have to see like are they going to do anything new with that setting Uh, or anything interesting and the answer is no (laughs) Um, so it's kind of like, what are we doing here? Is it fun to play? Um, it's fine. 
but it's a um at least on the ps4 maybe the experience is different on the pc but like the um the shooting doesn't feel great um and i feel like there's an issue with uh shooters where um because it's an rpg so a lot of it's going to rely on stats and dice rolls right um but i kind of feel like if i land a headshot that shouldn't be a dice roll mm-hmm. you know what i mean like i'm used to problem? playing shooting games you know yeah. and it's weird to mix like your skill as a player of the game right your your ability to manipulate the controls with a stat-based system sometimes doesn't work out the way especially in a shooter context so i don't love that um and the game is also very like dialogue heavy but it doesn't seem like the dialogue choices matter Mm. do you know what i mean like, it doesn't feel like, um, you know, like an adventure game where it's like, I'm going to get into this conversation and then we're going to see how this all plays out. It's kind of like the story feels a little bit more on rails. And then to be so dialogue driven, it's like, well, what am I fucking doing? You know? Um, so I that's my initial read on the cyberpunk thing. It's just like the setting doesn't really feel all that exciting. The gameplay itself is a little weird. Um, I've heard the metal radio station's good. It is. It's very good. <laughs> um, I was trying to Shazam like every song I heard, but I wasn't getting them. But there's some good stuff on there. It definitely sounds like a lot of it's like, oh, this is what black metal would sound like in 50 years. Yeah. Give me this. <laughs> um, But yeah, yeah I, that's disappointing. Um, I didn't have like I wasn't like one of those guys who's like, yeah, cyberpunk, like super excited for it. But, you know been a lot of build up to it and you, you know i like the company i was hoping it would succeed maybe they can pull together a little bit but well, yeah that's sad yeah and that's kind of one of the reasons that like the story about cyberpunk is on my list because it's just it's the fucking irony of it all is really good like so the cyberpunk setting, and this is like capital PC cyberpunk as in based on the RPG system and setting of the same name, which obviously derives a lot from the cyberpunk genre or subgenre for whatever that is, um, is, you know, very like 90s Gen Xer, like anti-corporate, anti-establishment man, you know, mm-hmm. um, very that, that kind of thing. Um And, you know, the cyberpunk future, whether we're talking about the cyberpunk brand or the the genre, it's always like corporations have taken over the world um, and they're like hassling the little guy. And, you know, you've got to hack the planet to save it, you know. (laughs) Um, But to see this like ostensibly very anti-corporate thing uh, be so... um, surrounded by just corporate bullshit (laughs) like you've got cd project red promising very early in this system that like we're gonna make this without any crunch we're not gonna do crunch and then they were like we're doing crunch (laughs) several times 
And then like CD Projekt Red is trying to be like, we're being very transparent about like our delays and the process. And this game's going to take the time it takes. Um, And then it's like, oh, we're releasing a buggy ass, barely finished game because the holidays are coming up. Mm-hmm. And then to be like, we're being very transparent about this and we're making a really great game. And then you find out like, oh, actually, they intentionally never showed any footage being run on last gen consoles or low end PCs. They embargoed um, all reviewers from talking about that element or showing footage from the old things like you know, like games in reviews, like they'll get embargoes of like, hey, don't publish your review before date X. Or they'll get like story embargoes of like, hey, don't reveal this particular plot point, you know? Mm-hmm. And that makes a certain amount of sense. But this game apparently had bug embargoes. Where like, if you were going to review this game, you had to sign a document that said you were not going to talk about bugs. Ew. Yeah. Real punk, CD Projekt Red. Yeah. Um, Especially because like, you're kind of like, oh, they're like an independent studio that, you know is not owned by EA or whatever, like underdog and just as shitty. (laughs) Yeah. So it's, it's this kind of, so there's just something kind of like, and it isn't like I told you so. Cause I was also the, under the impression that like CD project red was kind of like, I guess as punk rock as a triple a game studio can be, Mm -hmm. but apparently not. Yeah. I also just wonder, like, I don't know. I'm not saying I'm not telling this is not me telling game companies they should stay in their lane, but like, I don't know, maybe they should like trip around like the shooting feeling bad and just like, you know, RPG shooter mechanics and stuff. And it's just like it's just it's the same thing I kind of say with like Rocksteady. It's just like, dudes, just make that game and just put different skins on it and I will buy it every single fucking time. Like make a Witcher game and it's Mistborn and I'll buy that game like you know, add some new mechanics and features and, like, I'll play that game. Put the heart into it they put in a game. Or, you know, Rock City, just make the Batman game, but it's a Captain America game. Like, I'll play that game. Like, I, I just don't know why they were like, oh, we're going to make, like, an RPG shooter that's, like, way different. And, I mean, I don't know. It just seems I, like a tough yeah, play. I think, that, I, I think that they made a mistake trying to... Um uh emphasize the the shooting elements but also have it not be a great shooter um because like you kind of want this to follow the deus ex model where you have a like any particular moment in the game like there's usually a hacking option a sneaking option a shoot everybody option and a talk your way out of it option right Mm -hmm. and uh, and that's the you know and this game it feels like you kind of want it to be that but and there is hacking but all of it the hacking are you know really just more like oh do these things to give yourself a combat advantage for when the shooting starts you know Mm -hmm. or you know distract use this to distract a guard so you can sneak past to you know get a couple stealth kills before the shooting starts so it's like well if you're gonna do that just have it be a straight shooter you right. know with our, you can use you can have rpg elements like you know on the side like almost every game does now yeah like but it's what borderlands does you know like it's like yeah it's it's a it's a it's an rpg based shooter but they're not pretending you have dialogue options everything ends with you shooting <laughs> right 
Yeah, and I also feel like that you also fall in the other trap of like this is a problem in Skyrim, this is a problem in um Fallout, like where they a lot of these games, especially like any sort of like honestly any action RPG really, but even Witcher settles this sometimes like they present you a lot of options, but usually there's one that's like by far easier to do. And also there's very little incentive to do the other things. Example, like in Sky and especially games like Skyrim or Fallout where like you kind of. The game gives you experience for doing the thing you're doing, which is a smart idea as opposed to like only allocating skill points than what you want to do. Where it's like, oh, you stealth, you get some stealth experience where it's like, right. well, almost every person who's played Skyrim, the first run through of that game they play, they end up being a stealth archer because it's just like, it's the easiest way to start. It's overpowered. Yeah. It's overpowered. And there's no incentive to do anything else. And same thing, even in Witcher, like I probably could have played on a higher difficulty, but that's not usually my go-to when a place comes playing games, but it's just like, well, I could like mess with my oils and try and craft new weapons and whatever, or I could just like hit the left click button until everything dies. And that's pretty much what I do in every fight. So like, I, I mean, well, that's I mean, that's always going to be a problem with, you know, video game RPGs where there is a. Um, like there is a skill element to playing that has to fit in alongside traditional RPG mechanics. That's more about like problem solving and developing stats and stuff, right? Like imagine if, you know, when you were playing tabletop D&D, like. Um, like you as the actual player had to like sing your way out of things and be a good singer, you mm-hmm. know, like that's where the, the disconnect is, is that, you know, in an action RPG, I have to be good at the action parts. Um, whereas you get to the other things and it's like the dialogue options, like it's clear you know, OK, you, you can tell exactly as a player, like you can tell exactly which outcome each dialogue option is going to lead to, you know, mm-hmm. and then it's just like picking your path. It's not really there's no skill involved there, but there's skill involved in the combat. So the game's always going to lean more into the combat side of things because the, it's exciting to play the skill part. So, yeah, I think that you can incentivize other pathways. But you have to just be smart about it. Like it's very tricky. Yes. You get like more stuff or you get different things or, you know, or if you can get invested enough in the story, like I legit when I was playing Witcher, I was just like, I legitimately want to invest in this skill tree that gives me the additional like basically the force powers to convince people to move along because like it seems like I get more options and can diffuse situations in a way that makes sense more as like my character would do it. Yeah. And so you can incentivize by different ways, but um, it is inherently problematic. Uh, I have a brief aside about video games for a second. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, since things blew up again in COVID times, um, we've like went back to like full, you know, don't see anybody, don't go anywhere, lockdown, um, which arguably maybe everyone should have done this whole time. But we are where we are. Um, and Shay is very bored. <laughs> Uh, she doesn't have a lot of, you know, particular hobbies that are well suited to like this context. Um, and work, her work went from being like 130% to like negative 10% for the next like month and a half. So she was like, I kind of think I want to try a video game. Cause what else am I going to fucking do? I'm like, fair. 
kind of talk through some things. I even thought about like buying a switch and just like, could I just, you know, get her hooked on animal crossing and have that eat her next couple hundred hours. And she's like, well, I want something with a story, but it also can't be too mechanically intense because she has she's never played any video game basically. So I was like, well, I have the walking dead telltale game on my computer story based, like, and obviously not mechanic heavy since it's more or less a point and click adventure game. And she doesn't hate The Walking Dead, you know, in the two seasons that we watched together or whatever. Um, so she sat down and tried it. It's really funny watching someone who just has no experience playing video games playing yeah. a video game. Just like. They don't pick up the, the, the cues, right? The, the cues are just like, what am I supposed to do? Oh, you're supposed to like, oh, like look around, and explore. Like, why? It's like. Well, I don't know. That's what you do in a video game, right? Like, and just like, even just like the on-screen cues, like, I mean, granted, she's on a mouse and keyboard, which isn't like the most ideal setup. I would have had to use a controller, but you can't for those games because they're not made for a controller. Um, she was trying to, her figuring out, you know, on a keyboard, you know, PC Master Race folks like myself, like the AWSD, you know, that's what you used yeah. to do around like all games. Like, she's like, she's like, I don't get it. Like, why are those keys? I'm like, well, it kind of mimics the, the, so she kept moving her hands over to the arrow keys which also work or she kept using her taking her hand off the mouse and putting it on the arrow keys and so she was using a combination of awsd and the and the movement like the arrow keys to move her character around and i just kept gently picking her hand and putting it back on the mouse because <laughs> she also needed to look around at the same time um also just like how much she lasted just like you know the shitty dialogue and like the shitty voice acting and whatever else and she might give it another go, but I was like, I don't know if this is the right path. So <laughs> if you have any recommendations for a game that would be story based, but not too mechanically heavy, but approachable, uh, that's not on a PlayStation exclusively. Um, that's a good question. I have an idea. I have an idea here. Um, let me Google it. It was a fun, it was a fun time though. I was just like sitting back and enjoying it. <laughs> And yeah, she kept, she kept um, not, you know how like those games, they give you a series of choices, right? And usually there's like a time limit, but just, and one of the options is do nothing. So Shay's done a lot of do nothing just cause she didn't like, she couldn't navigate to the options in time to make the, the choice she wanted to make. Um, it's like save the kid or save the farmer. And she's like, oh, I want to save the kid. And it's like, Oh, you missed it. You didn't save anybody. They both died. Sorry. Um, you should check out life is strange. Life is strange. Okay. Because hmm. I was like, ooh, if she likes the Telltale games, like, there's a bunch of those. There like, are. I could, you know, she could probably enjoy those. And they've got different, you know, Game of Thrones one, Walking Dead one, and Batman one. She's probably interested in Batman one, but, um, yeah. Okay, thanks. I'll check that out. Yeah, that one's decent. Uh, Karen and I played that, at least the first couple episodes of it. She really enjoyed it. So I just feel like that it's hard to get someone to begin because, like, your options are like, well, you could kind of play like the time wasters, you know, your Animal Crossing, your Sims, your Stardew Valley, whatever. It's not story driven. But a lot of the good story based games are a little more like mechanically driven. RPGs are a little more crunchy, you know, and like the more casual games are like platformers, which like, honestly, if you're not interested in mechanics, like are pretty damn frustrating. Even like your Mario's or whatever can be pretty like. If you're not good at using the controller or the mouse and keyboard, like, yes, not so much fun. So, 
believe me, I'm having a, 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 a similar experience now because, uh, my brother-in-law gave us his old Wii U. Oh, uh, and Charlotte has discovered it. Okay. And, um, she is trying to figure like, she's slowly figuring out some kind of basic, like Mario style games. But, uh, it's very difficult to like what's the entry point for a video game at this point, you know, because everybody, uh, you know, for somebody who's never really played video games, like there's so much like just assumed knowledge, even in the most basic games, you mm-hmm. know, yeah, of like how controllers work and how you interact with the world that it's like, oh, man, I don't know where to start with some of these things. Um now, luckily, there is something about, you know, three-year-olds have patience for weird things that adults don't. Mm. Um, but like, oh, yeah, she'll spend half an hour just trying to jump over one block in Mario. So it's like she'll <laughs> fig- if she wants to t- take time to figure it out. Great. Um, also, little sponges that can absorb, you know, stuff. So, yeah, um, there's a good YouTube series of I forget the YouTuber, but um, he has I think he's like a, just like a gaming guy and he his wife like he kind of has the same thing like starts introducing her to games one by one and seeing how she reacts to them and how she handles it. And I remember well, the one example she was playing uh, the Zelda game Breath of the Wild the most recent Zelda on Switch which by all means is apparently a very good game and she didn't really one of the big things that people have difficulty grasping in video games is like camera movement. Right? Oh yeah. Yeah. And she didn't really know how to move the camera so she the pathway for her to go to the one objective was like just like along this river through a mountain pass. And it was very easy to see. And if you could turn the camera, you would have seen it, but she didn't know it was there. So she spent like three hours climbing over the mountain, <laughs> like, and like making this like crazy chore out of it. And he, cause he's, his thing was like, I'm not going to say anything. And just like, but he showed like, just like maybe like a 10 degree movement would have shown a very obvious path. And she just didn't see it. And just like, literally like probably a place where I'm even supposed to go in the game. Right. And she made it over and it was like an accomplishment, but it was just interesting kind of context for like video yeah. games. Did you ever hear about the guy who, um, a similar thing. He basically, I don't like experimenting on your kids, but he was probably about your age, maybe, maybe a little older. Um, so like, you know, born in like the teens or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. he basically said, I'm only going to, sh- introduce my kid my son to the game systems that i had at, at that same relative age so when he was four he got an atari huh. and then when he was six he got a nintendo and basically his kid's like a gaming savant like he memorized the pac-man algorithms and then like you know starts his like speed runs games and like you know he's just really good at them because you build all these mechanics from the ground up of all these yeah. different games and kind of interesting what's that's the thing is like I wish someone would design a game, ideally a free game, that like teaches you how it like is like it's just designed for like, hey, have you never played a video a modern video game? Like here's we're just gonna walk you through some basics of like how to move around in 3D. And because, you know, that's you know, one of the th- things and a million people have said a million words about it, but like one of the geniuses of, you know, World 1-1 in Super Mario Brothers is it literally teaches you how to play the game mm-hmm. without any on-screen text. It's like, there's you. You know that's you because you saw that guy on the previous screen. And there's only one direction you can go in, right? 
and then you 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 start moving in that direction and then a thing that's coming near towards you that's very clearly a bad guy and now you you know you press one of the two buttons and it makes you jump you know what i mean and like it's it's teaching you all of this and like yeah if that's where you start you develop all those skills and you build on them incrementally but then it's like oh it's 2020 you want to try your first video game like what you fucking call of duty you know <laughs> like so like what's the game that i can give to somebody who's never had 3d controls that's going to teach them how to use 3d controls um because once you get that once you get the camera move you know you're moving the camera with one stick walking with another stick like the whole world opens up but no game wants to teach that to you anymore yeah and just like little things just like you know in this example you're stuck in like a pharmacy um, in the Walking Dead game, and there's all these, you know, basically all those games where there's little dots that you can like see that basically there's something to interact with. And I'm like, oh, there's a bunch of little dots over there, like on that shelf. Don't you want to like go check those out? And she's just like, well, I'm not interested in that, so I'm not going to. I'm just like, oh, okay, <laughs> wait. <laughs> I was like, all right. But just like that idea of like, well, the game put it in the game, so it's part of the game, so I should go check it out, right? Where it's just like, well, I'm not, I don't care about what that candy bar. Like, why would I want a candy bar? I'm like, okay. <laughs> All right, I'm not going to guide you through this. I'm going to let you figure it out. <laughs> but I could see some of the things start to happen towards the end where she was just like, okay, so like to do that, we kind of have to do this. And then I'm like, yeah, you're getting it. Like it's kind of a puzzle box. I'm just like, okay. So I don't know if that's going to continue. Although the plan is to put my old computer on the TV downstairs. So that'll open up some options there too for more relaxing time on the couch with, with the computer. So yeah, that was my little video game side, great side discussion. Do you have anything else in your best stuff you want to talk about, Greg? Um, I guess the last thing um, that, you know, kind of the, the good things for this year is uh, uh, me getting back into hiking in the outdoors. Um, I think I, I didn't realize how important it was until I, you know, actually did it, but you know, this quarantine life, whether or not it's quarantine or lockdown or whatever you want to call it, like this whole like spending most of your time at home, um, not really seeing anybody, um, like, but it creates some gaps in your, in your, in your life that maybe you didn't expect. Um, but, you know, going out and going for hikes, like it reconnected me with solitude which I didn't realize until, you know, I, I had it again that like, oh, you know, you're not really alone anymore for any real, in any real sense, for any real stretch of time in this new world, right? Like, even if your, your, your solitude time before was just the commute, you know, um, that all went away. So, you know, but just going out and being in the woods for half a day, like there's something important to that. And I feel like it, it slipped away and getting it back was very restorative. Um, and you know, again, quarantine life. Um, I had lost some kind of connection with my body. I know that sounds strange, but like, you know, before all this happened, I was, I was going to the gym, you know, and, and, you know, working out to some degree 
um, going on walks at lunch at the office, um, even wearing clothes that weren't 100 percent comfortable because I'm dressing for the office. You know, you, you just get used to a certain level of like ease and comfort of just wearing like sweatpants all the time and never really exerting yourself. But like being out, you know, and hiking and, you know, like working my lungs again, using my muscles, like putting some strain on things and like, you know, having to be conscious of things like, you know, okay, am I overheating right now? Am I, you know, am I sweating too much? Um, Do I need to, you know, do I need to take off a layer, you know, um, and just being conscious of those things and having to think about those things. Um it was important. <laughs> I know it sounds dumb, but like you lose track of some things when, 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 you know, your life gets thrown upside down by all of this, these changes. And, you know, and then there's something to being out in nature and reconnecting with that as well, because you're spending so much time inside and, and staring at screens and, you know, all that hippy dippy shit about, you know, um, getting fresh air in your lungs and feeling the cold air on your face and, uh, getting weird and swimming in a waterfall, uh, um, you know, that's important too, but like, um, it was very important for me to get back into that, um, to gain some perspective on, uh, you know, more of the fullness of my life because certain things had kind of become obscured by all these changes. Um, uh, but yeah, that I think of all the things this year, um, I think that getting back out into the woods on a regular basis and, and you know, challenging myself physically and mentally and spiritually that way, um, I think that was the most transformative thing this year. That's really great to hear. Um, of course, now I haven't been out in a while because we've been trying to avoid human contact of any kind to, um, you know, be uh clean and pure so that we can spend christmas with my parents um of course somehow yesterday i developed a cold after having had no human contact for 10 days what the hell Mm, cold huh yes it is a cold it is not the coronavirus Mm -hmm. that's what they all say hey have you heard me cough once no um yeah she sound pretty good um yeah, it, it it has been shitty, like, between my uh, medical problem and the weather getting colder. Because I was really enjoying just walking outside, not hiking, but um, it's because I'm lazy and don't want to drive far. But um, just getting outside every day was nice. And even if I was listening to a podcast or whatever, but it was just like, yeah, now I'm just stuck in here. Yeah, well... Yeah, I guess you can't really do too much with your your medical thing, but uh, I'm ramping up to it and getting better. But um, but yeah, but yeah, and and sometimes just gotta like suck it up and be like, yeah, it's gonna be cold. Go deal with it. Like, hey man, you just got if you're moving fast enough, it's it's not cold at all. True, true. That is true. Yeah, Um, I found it. I found a. uh, I'm using a. um, It's kind of a. It's kind of a trail running day pack that I've been using oh, um, trail running. Yeah. So I can, so it doesn't, it, it doesn't bounce over. It, it's, it's kind of like a vest and a backpack. It's, it's complicated, but um, 
it lets me like I can just kind of like shift back and forth between like running and hiking kind of on the fly, you know, like a traditional, you know, even just like a normal hiking day pack. Like you can't really run, you know, bounce around around on you. But this thing, it cinches in real close like a trail running vest. Um, So I've got like, you know, this kind of flexibility um, and get real weird with it. Like, you know, what? I think I'm just going to run down that hill like a five year old Um, (laughs) and then I do it. It's great. I'd be fucking fall on my face and break a bunch of bones. Oh, I very nearly took a bad spill the other week. That's I, why I never had interest in trail running. I'm just like, I'm going to kill myself. It's or mountain biking on trails, for example. I'm like, no, uh, fuck that. Yeah, the mountain biking. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't mean to be this guy where like, you know, like my I, I, I've got my outdoor activity and I look down my nose at the other people. But like, you know, that the. the the park where I do most of my hiking, like there's a lot of trails that are frequented by mountain bicyclists, mountain bikers, those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I'm sorry, they always look so lame <laughs> because whenever I'm encountering encountering them, they're not like doing like super cool, like bombing down a downhill, you know, going over big jumps and shit. They're always just like struggling on a narrow little switchback, you know, like trying to keep their balance like a two-year-old on training wheels and i'm like you guys look fucking lame <laughs> uh so yeah i i have i i you know it's i guess it's like skiers versus snowboarders it's all just dumb shit but like uh <laughs> yeah no there are i mean like trail running like i know very little about it other than you know it's but everything i read is just like yeah just like go but instead of walking you run um, like there are obviously some trails that are good for it, other trails that are bad for it. Um, uh, and I don't really differentiate, which is probably a bit foolish on my part. <laughs> I'm just like, Oh, this big downhill that's covered in leaves. Yeah. I'll just run on this. I'm sure there's no, there's no roots or anything under these leaves that I could trip over. No, it couldn't be. No, certainly not slippery rocks hiding under these, these leaves. Well, be careful. Eh. I don't want to find a new don't podcast co-host. Uh, yeah. I don't have anything quite as uh, uplifting and momentous to discuss. Um, it's not that big. I, I, I used highfalutin language to talk about it, but it's not that big. I'm just trying to... I am trying to... The medical scare and everything just like, okay, I need not that it was my fault anyway, but just like I really am getting older and I need to be a little more conscious. Not that I, I've been trying and not that I've been doing terrible, but just a redoubling down. We've got some more home gym equipment and stuff now. So it's like, you know what? Got to really recommit to this and want to be in good shape for when we start a family and, you know. I, uh, yeah, I, always, I would say because uh, that, that first year or two, y- y- make some room. For yeah, that's my goal. Is like I want to be the best shape of my body life. in the first two years. <laughs> my best shape of my life when we have a kid, so that those you know a couple years afterwards, uh, the damage we do um, is not compounded on damage previously done. Yeah, yeah. You want to be in a good place when you start because it's gonna be, <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be a lot of spaghetti and and mac and cheese probably for a couple. <laughs> yes, yes, uh, yes. Yeah. Well, anyway. It's One last late. thing. Attack on Titan season four. Is three episodes in is really fucking good. So you need to get done with season three because season four is like 
the best. Okay. It shouldn't take me long because so I said I'm, I'm, it's, it's now my treadmill show, which I'm doing Power more through of, so. Um, I just gotta, yeah, I'm just like, what the fuck's going on? Um, and yeah, uh, hopefully 2021, I don't see how, I mean, I don't see how 2021 could be worse. That's kind of what we said about 2020. Yeah. Kind of what we said about 2018. But like all those things, I was kind of like, I feel like people are overhyping those things. I was kind of that opinion. Like people die every year. Like it's whatever. You know, Trump sucks, sure, but like, like you said, betting on a plague. A vaccine is here, and hopefully, we there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And hopefully, I think, hoping there'll be a rubber band effect for a lot of things from COVID that will propel us in a better direction, or at least bring us back to some things that are good, like human interaction and supporting the local economy and all these kind of things, but. I'm just hoping on it doesn't get worse. Yeah, I think it is going to get a little worse before it gets better here. We're going to be in a weird stretch where we've got this like vaccine that's working well and people are getting it. But in the next month, two months, as it gets distributed and then longer, you know, I think people are going to. I think we're going to have the worst part of the post holiday stuff happening at a terrible time. And then after that, we're going to start getting like a. Oh, there's a vaccine. We can start doing whatever we want. And it's like, well, hold your horses. Cause like no, someone well, like I you mean, and I great proud of getting that to like the summer. So like crossing my fingers for the summer. Yeah. I'm hoping for a normal fall. I said that. I, I've got that. tickets to a to a three-day black metal festival out in the middle of the woods that Do was you? supposed to happen on happen August of 2020. We you didn't just, you didn't invite me? Well, Jordan and I were going to do it. Oh, okay. I see. Also, I think it might be a little too... I don't know if it's... if it's. Uh... <laughs> I kid, I kid. Okay, good. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, we bought tickets in, in, in August. For, for, it was supposed to be in August. And then they were like, yeah, we're just going to wait till next year. So, like, hang on to your ticket. So, I just hope I can go to my fest in August with Jordan. And we can watch black metal bands in the woods. I just hope that at least one band uh, reenacts some immortal videos. It's not that. I mean, it's Panopticon and Falls of Raros are headlining, so. I know, but at least some openers got to be like, well, we're in the woods. We can bring some swords, you know. Maybe. Maybe. It would be nice to see some swords. (laughs) It would be nice to see anything. Yeah. Okay, Greg. Well, this has been great. Yes, sir. Um, We didn't talk about politics too much, which was good. No, we did not. We, um, we resisted. We're back on track. <laughs> um, one of my core, one of my holiday goals is to rewatch all the Star Wars movies. And Why hate myself? Because I'm I, I need to get more context for my sequel rebuild. There's two good on. ones. I know, but I just I just need to know. No, um, three good ones. Yeah. Uh, so more on that to come. But also, we might want to consider splitting this episode into two. Given the uh, length of time. Maybe, maybe um, I might be able to do that. I'm not thinking that we should continue to set length records every episode, we should, <laughs> which has been the case the past like three. Yeah, I don't know. So All if, right. If, if it happens, if not, you can cut this part out. <laughs> I think I can do it. I think I can um, do it. But yeah. So thank you, dear listeners, for hanging in and uh, have a Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Good New Year. May it be safe. 
Uh, this is probably going to come out after all those things, so I hope you had a good one. Um, and, yeah. All right, buddy. All right. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.